This is very concerning indeed because most of us remember the 50s when polio struck down so many and so many were spending their lives at that time in iron lungs and even today deal with ongoing problems with their health. We're talking about polio. Joining us now is a health expert, international health expert, Jaya Dantas, who's with Curtin University. Good afternoon to you, Jaya. Good afternoon, Jean. This is very, very concerning, very strong memories of that awful outbreak back then. Why has this happened? Uh, what has happened is in Indonesia, which is our nearest neighbor, four cases of the vaccine-derived polio virus was reported between October and February 2023. And also further cases were identified in December 2023. And one of the reasons could be is the reduction in vaccination. We have vaccination coverage, good vaccination and surveillance in Indonesia, but it's still between 85 and 87%. So it's not all of the children under five having their four doses of the oral polio polio virus. Yes, that is a very, very big concern. I wonder if we could go back to those that weren't even born (laughs) and would not have memories of the polio outbreak, which, of course, was pretty much international as well back then. But I remember as a child growing up on the river uh, in Applecross and it hit and nobody was allowed to swim in in the river. They weren't allowed to travel on buses because of it was contagious. How, what is, what is this polio? Where does it come from? Uh, Polio is highly infectious disease, but it usually affects children under five years of age. Mm, That's interesting. It often causes permanent paralysis in one in 200 infections. Mm. So basically, it had been nearly eradicated in the world, but because of poverty, because of war, because of lack of vaccine coverage in certain countries, there has been an increase. And what we know is that childhood vaccinations have been impacted because of COVID. So because of COVID, childhood vaccination has been impacted in many countries. But there are countries that has that have endemic polio, like Afghanistan or Pakistan. But in other countries, it's vaccine-derived polio, where there is a lack of sanitation. And often this spreads through the fecal oral route. Gosh, it's awful. You know, it does show and prove the importance of vaccination against these insidious diseases, doesn't it? Yes. yes, Very much so. So what we know is polio, there's been these polio outbreaks. And in Indonesia, they are actually doing a risk assessment. They're increasing the surveillance. They're finding villages where there would be poor sanitation and looking at that. But what we have seen in recent time, that UK, since polio... Uh, UK declared a, nat- a national incident in on the 25th of January because of a measles outbreak. Mm. And this is in East London Goodness. because they reported that many of the children have not had the MMR jab. Goodness me, as children growing up, and I keep reverting back to this the time when we used to have those triple antigens and uh, as children at school we'd have measles, chicken pox and I think whooping cough or something as a combination. Are children not getting these vaccinations like we used to? Um, there has been a, a distrust of vaccines, yeah. post, especially post-COVID and with some misinformation that has been spread. Mm. So this has been an issue post-COVID. And 
you know, childhood vaccinations are so important, especially because they can be quite debilitating for children. Oh, gosh, For yes. example, with measles, your children can die. And with polio, it causes permanent paralysis and it impacts the quality of life of, course. of the child yeah. into adulthood for life. In the UK, just reverting back to that for a moment with the measles um, epidemic that's broken out, I mean, they would be in a position to stop it spreading further. But, um, yeah, what are they going to do about that over there? They, they would have to increase the dosage of the MMR vaccine for children. Mm-hmm. So, basically, two-year-olds have to have both doses of the MMR vaccine but when it's only between 85 to 90%, that means 10% have not had the vaccine. Is that because they don't, the parents are against vaccination? It just doesn't make sense, does it? Yes, mm. because um, lots. when you look at the numbers, it can be tens and th- thousands of children, but often it's the parents who have to take children under five yeah. for the vaccination. It's interesting too, I'm just once again reverting back, but I remember as a child, if your cousin had the measles, you'd get taken over to their home so you'd cop it so that you'd have a short spurt of the measles and the whatever get, went with it and you wouldn't get it back again. That's, that's what would happen but back then. What happened is when you have had the two doses of the MMR vaccine as a child, you, you're, when you get measles, it's a very mild attack. Yes, yes. Okay. But when you've not had the vaccination, then it can be quite severe and yeah. in some instances can lead to death. Yes, I'm sure that's what was the ca- that was the case back then. Just getting back to polio, and they are a very close neighbour and people travel. <laughs> I know, yes. I know it's out in the villages and that sort of thing, but a lot of tourists like to get out into these areas. I mean, what's the risk of it being brought back here? Now, one of the things that they would do is we have a very good surveillance system in place. So any people coming from countries that have had any sorts of outbreak, and that could be, you know, the other respiratory infections, chikungunya, uh, it could be polio, it could be... Um, any any other in countries where there's been a risk that has been notified by the WHO, then our our ports of entry take a cautious approach, mm. and they they know and they are able to have better surveillance. We have very good surveillance in place, so we would know if if there is anything happening. Now, we do know that there have been a few cases of measles in New South Wales, and they're monitoring that, whether these are from the from return travellers. How, how are they monitoring? I'm sorry, I'm going to answer this myself and wonder if it's right or not. Before you leave to go to these countries that are fairly, you know, happening, whether it's happening at the moment, would we have to show that we've had vaccinations, perhaps? Uh, what they monitor is people coming from these regions are... Coming back, okay. Coming back. Yeah, people okay. So especially with travel connections with polio-affected countries or measles-affected areas, you strengthen surveillance for any of these cases in order to rapidly detect if there's there's an outbreak, not an outbreak, but even if there's a small case that may be reported. Can I just ask you then, um, when you come back into the country, would the symptoms show right away? How, or would you not show symptoms for a couple of weeks perhaps? How do they check? 
I mean, the symptoms don't emerge. You might not know about the symptoms till later. Yeah. Yes, but this, this see, polio affects children under five, so that's that's very different to, and even measles affects children. Mm. I'm just wondering, wouldn't it have been easier for people to show their proof of, of vaccination before they left the country? Uh, yes, before they leave, if they are coming from areas where there has been um, an outbreak, then they'll, they'll look at the immunisation history yeah, yeah, of you, the person travelling. If you're going to these countries, prevention surely would be the way to go. It's a very frightening situation. Right. I mean, what, what fears do you have about this, if any, Jaya? Um, I, I don't have fears for Australia because we have really good surveillance oh, good. in place. But, and once it's flagged by the WHO, then all countries which have frequent travel connections with those affected countries and areas, they strengthen their surveillance. Mm. If there is any new virus importation and how they can respond to it. Yes, uh, there's another condition, I think, I don't know if you'd be on, on top of this one as well, but a lot of lung infections for children uh, have been detected, haven't they? Yes, so since last year, post-COVID, there have been three, three respir- respiratory viruses, respiratory viruses that have been circulating, especially in countries where it becomes very cold. So, and in the United States and in the UK, you had influenza, and you had influenza, which could lead to, you know, then there was pneumonia, which is, and then there was RSV, and then there was COVID. Yeah. So all of these affect the lung in some ways. But it, there, were, there was a rise of these and it was there. It was seen, especially in the United States. And that is why they said they were encouraging people to have their boosters yeah. during the winter and to have their flu vaccines also. Yes, yes, we've been having quite a few, which is good to see. And I, I know I'm taking you all over the place with this, but it's, it's really interesting to have a chat with you about these considerations. With COVID, it, we seem to... Look, we haven't got it totally under control, but by gee, it's made a difference, hasn't it, the vaccinations? Yes. So because it's a virus, you see, it mutates. Yeah. When it mutates, it circulates. So it's not something that you can eradicate, like you can just do sort of a pest control thing for like you can do for mosquitoes or cockroaches or something. It's a virus and yeah. it can travel around. Nasty. This is, yeah, this is what happens. But it can also mutate. Mm. So when it mutates, when it mutates, it changes its form. It's like, it's like science fiction, isn't it? But it's not. It's, it's I know. science fiction. It's something that happens in reality. <laughs> I know. This is the scary part about it. Just to yes. cra- I, wonder, I wonder how it starts. You know, yes. these viruses just start. Where do they come from? It's from One Health. So basically, there is a carrier. So it, it can, viruses can emerge from bats. It yeah. can, then they have an animal carrier. And then from animal, they jump to the human. That's right. Yeah. That's One Health. That's where we actually monitor or, or zoonotic diseases and One Health. And we actually, it's very important to monitor all of this. Oh, of course. And we know that there is a carrier. So for example, with the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, it was the dromedary camels that were the carrier. In the case of others, they could be in Africa. Uh, with Ebola, it can be uh, the, the bats. Then in the case of 
SARS, the first SARS, it was the civet cats. This time, they have not yet identified, but they, they feel it could be the pangolins in the wet market. So there's always an animal carrier yeah, yeah. in the market, and then it jumps to human beings. But because it's a virus, then with mobility, it transmits. Does the body of the animal actually perpetrate the virus? Does it come alive for some reason? If the, is the animal unwell or... Do we know? The animal can get unwell. You can also have deaths in animals, but that is seen by those like vets, you know, who actually study um, the biology of of animals. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? It's horrible. Yes. Well, you've made us feel a little bit better, particularly about us here in Australia, but you can't help but feel for these other people in these other countries. It's just a terrible situation, and I hope it you know, becomes okay for them up there. Yes, and I mean, it's really difficult in countries like Afghanistan and Pakistan. Oh, yes. Like Afghanistan vaccine coverage is really, really low. Yeah. And um, it's got weak health systems. Yeah. Know, but you, we've also seen polio in countries like Nigeria, which is like a middle-income country, which has the capacity and the money, but mm. it has had conflict in certain areas yeah, and a distrust of vaccinations, and they have seen an increase in mm. polio. So that, but it shouldn't be the case in a in a country like the United States. But because it's a country with a large population, you also have people who don't believe in vaccines. Their parents don't believe in vaccines. So I can't they don't believe it. it. It just is baffling to me when there's so much proof that vaccines have worked. You know, it's just incredible. Thank you very, very much for your time today, Jaya. You're very welcome. Thank, Thank you indeed. Jaya Dantas, the international health expert from Curtin University. Curtin Radio.